welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker joining me today on what is playoffs beginning. I, wow. I don't know what to call it. What do you call it? The opening day of the playoffs? Is that what Hell you call it, yeah, Justin? I call it opening day. All right. Opening day. It is the opening day. Forget baseball. Uh, opening night. I mean, I don't, opening mind, night. I don't mind baseball. Yeah, it's true. It's opening night. Yeah, there's no, uh, you know, that's the one thing with something like baseball their playoffs when you're like what do you mean you're gonna have a game for your playoffs at 1 p.m like <laughs> why do you do that to yourself that just seems weird um yeah I, you want to you want to figure out why baseball has kind of dropped in popularity there's your there's your start i mean i get regular season games I mean, there's 162 of them you gotta play some games in the afternoon but for the playoffs come on you don't need to play games at 1 30 p.m who's taking like yeah, anyway, I'm not going to go down the road. Okay, we're here to uh, to preview the playoffs and go through all the series, minus the Leafs and Lightning. We did an individual show on that. You can go back and listen to it. Um, subscribe to the show wherever you listen. We are going to hit all the series in order in which they play their first game. So we'll start off with the Islanders and the Hurricanes. We'll truck through all the other series, and uh, we'll close with the Kraken against the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, Justin and I will close each series with our picks for that particular series. But uh, we're just going to chat through that those series. But before we do, we just we I feel like you know if I was really good, I would go back to our um, our episode about like the top five most likely coaches to be let go. And I believe your top coach was Dallas Akins. Is that right? It absolutely was. Yeah, you you had doubt. You can go back and listen to that episode, and uh, and you know if you want to just you're gonna you're gonna be sitting there listening to us, and you're gonna feel like we recorded the show today, uh, which is again opening <laughs> day of the playoffs because every single one of the coaches that we talked about has either already been fired or there's lots of new you know there's even NHL I feel like NHL.com doesn't usually have rumor kind of stuff on it you know it's mostly just like here's the here's the news um and even they are saying that the predators are evaluating john hines's performance and future as their coach so um he was one of my picks i, I think i think he was one of yours as well um mm-hmm. to be fired uh who else did we have on there? Uh, we had Peter Laviolette. Peter Laviolette. He has been. Uh, he has not been fired. He just has not been retained. And apparently, it was also. It was sort of a mutual thing. I think is the vibe that I'm getting was he pushed for the timeline. Uh, that's per Elliot Friedman. He pushed for the timeline. And my guess is that it was. It was kind of this like, hey, I'm not really the kind of coach that you like keep around for a rebuild. That's not the Peter Laviolette team. Peter Laviolette's teams are. The first, maybe the second year that he's there, they're gonna they're gonna spin things around, and then he just kind of you know, loses his luster really quick. But he's a great coach for those first two, maybe three years. But uh, yeah, so Peter Laviolette also out, Dallas Aikens out. Um, oh gosh, who else is out as head coach that we that we called? Ooh, um, right. there was there's one other one, and now my now my brain is blanking. Oh, you know, I have I had oh, uh, Brad Larson. Yes, Brad Larson. Yes, I yep, think yep, yep. I think you had him. I don't think I had him because I went the Ottawa route. I said DJ Smith, but I think they're going to be too cheap to let him go now. 
they'll wait until there's a new owner. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the new owner. But we we do know. Yes, those those coaches are out, and probably the most surprising uh, out of the the well, it's not a firing, but the you know not coming back is Bradtree Living resigning as the general manager after nine years, and uh, Don Maloney is going to serve as the interim GM there. Uh, I. What what are your thoughts on tree living after after quite a summer last year, after losing Huberdeau essentially, or uh, after losing uh, Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau? Yeah, I mean, honestly, there there were rumors too. I'm 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 not sure if they're solidified, but I did hear something where somebody said that uh, Suter's job was safe too. I mean, speaking of coaches getting fired, right? He was he was somebody that I think you mentioned might get the the boot, but. Um, you know, as far as, as far as BT's job, uh, what he's done over in Calgary, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it was it was probably needed. I, I thought he did a good enough job getting, you know, a good return uh, for what he had. You know, basically, Kachuk wasn't re-signing. Uh, you know, Goudreau was gone, right? It just, Which it was wasn't, this, that wasn't his fault that those right, things no, happened. Not right? at all. Yeah, not at all, right? Yeah, a star player leaves, and then, of course, the other star player's like, well, shoot, I want out of here, right? So, um that shit happens. You can't really control it. So now you have to react. Right. Um, and so basically for what he was able to do, get a hundred point player who I think, I think the, the number came out and he tied for the largest drop in NHL history, as far as points are concerned from one season Jeez. to the next, um, just ridiculous 40 point. I think it was, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was a huge drop, 40, 50 point drop. And, um, and, and even so percentage wise, that's, I mean, that's a massive, well, yeah, a massive percentage too. I mean, to drop fifty oh, percent and from a hundred points, yeah, that's that's a right. crazy number. And and the I fact mean, that he's it was a ten and a half million dollar deal. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I think any team would have gladly given Huberto ten and a half million bucks. Any team would have given up, uh, you know, what basically you know Trevor Living was forced to give up to get him. And not to mention, he got a top four. Um, he had a top four defenseman come back the other way as well. So. He got a great return for what he, you know, was inevitably going to lose anyways. And so I think, you know, again, um, you know, yes, it stings a little bit because you see Huberto not post up the numbers he normally does. And you see Matthew Kachuk come down to Florida and essentially just rip it. Like, I mean, just he was fantastic this year for the Panthers. Um, I mean, so that, honestly, like Hart Trophy candidate if it weren't for Connor McDavid. Right. Yeah. Well, absolutely. he could still be a candidate, but he won't win. Right. He's not going right. to win. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So. You know, I think he did a great job, consider all things considered. But um, ultimately, you know, in my opinion, I just I don't think the coaching fit well enough for what the pieces he. Had. I mean, look, Kadri, same thing, right? His production dipped too. You don't you don't have you know, I mean, one guy his production dipping, right? But if you have a couple stars, you know, dipping in their right. production, really, it is it really players or is it you know coaching there? So you know, um, my my other thing, I those trades and the acquisition of Kadri, they all felt really good if I was playing a video game. Like if I'm playing a video game and I go, okay, this like, let's say in the video game, that player is not going to sign with me. Well, that's a great trade. Like that's trade is on easy, right? Like you're, you're trading this guy who's going to, uh, who's 200 point players and you get the extra defenseman thrown in. I mean, it, it all seemed great for Calgary. And then you sign Nazem Kadri to a, a solid deal you get a couple players that are like an, an 89 and 87 overall kind of vibe. And in the end, it just in real life, they did not, they don't really fit the system. Um, or I should say this, 
it takes maybe more than one year, uh, along with the tremendous change, especially for Huberto, who who did not expect to be traded. Like I think he expected to be a Panther his whole life. Yeah. So I think probably for the first little while of the year, he was kind of playing. He was in a in a in a daze in some way. Like maybe mentally, he just uh, hadn't coped yet with what was happening, and. He maybe like, yeah, that deal is a monster deal. Hard to turn it down. Maybe if you were to go to him now and say, would you have signed? Like, if you knew what you knew now, would you have signed that deal? His answer would probably be no. But because he signed that deal, now he's locked in. I mean, you're not, you can put up with a lot of, a lot of stuff for $10.5 million a year. And I think they'll figure it out. I think you also know, hey, for the next eight years, my coach is not going to be Daryl Sutter. He's not going to coach until he's deep into his 70s. So it, it'll be okay. Um, he will get let go at some point. And if he doesn't, it's because he won the Stanley Cup. In which case, you're pretty you're pretty glad you went where you went. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think tree living sounds like it was just kind of more or less like a, you know, I, I just don't really want to do this anymore. And that's totally fine. I mean, everyone has a point where they don't want to do their job anymore. It, it always it comes every single person 100% of the time has either died or they quit their job. <laughs> it happens all the time. So I, I think this is just a matter of like, it would maybe a little burnout, maybe just tired of, of where he was living or tired of, of doing what he had to do every day. And that's fair. I mean, you want a guy who's going to say, you know what, this isn't, I don't want to do this right now. And I, I think that, to give up a job like that, that he could have easily kept is it shows maybe his character too, that, you know, he's willing to say, I just don't have the desire to do this right now. And I'm sure if he wants a job again in the NHL, he'll get one. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Should we jump into our, our playoff preview now? Oh, please. Now I'm excited. Spent, uh, 10 minutes on all the firings that happened. Uh, Time for the good news. The Hurricanes and the Islanders playing in round number one. Uh, the Hurricanes three and one against the Islanders this season. But I have I have a difficult time looking at that and not saying, well, the Islanders were really bad early on. Like they definitely came on much stronger towards the end of the year. So I don't know how much credence I'm going to put um, into that uh, for for this particular matchup. Uh, but what are your initial thoughts here for the Islanders and Hurricanes? Yeah, I mean, my initial thought goes to who's scoring goals for Carolina, right? I mean, both of these teams are very defensive-minded. And so my you know question mark is going to be who's scoring goals for Carolina because Sveshnikov's out. Pacioretty's not playing this season. So, um, yeah, I mean, we know Sebastian Ajo is Sebastian Ajo, right? He's going to chip in. He's going to give you the, that production. But – when you look at this four group for for you know Carolina, they've got only three guys, Sveshnikov being one of them, who have scored over 20 goals. So essentially you've got Ajo with 36 and Natius with 28 goals. And so where's the production going to come from, right, besides those two guys? And um, that's my biggest concern when you when you look at Carolina, right? I mean, obviously we, we know what the Islanders are. I think they've they come on pretty strong in the second half of the season and they, they crawled back into a playoff spot and – you know, gave Pittsburgh the old stinky boot. And so, um, yeah, my biggest question for Carolina is who's scoring them goals. All right. So who's here? Who is here is who? Oh my God. 
here's who is going to score goals. Uh, Carolina did lead the NHL with 59 goals from their defensive side. Uh, that's huge. It. 18 each from Brent Burns and Brady Shea. Uh, the fact that they can score at that kind of clip from the back end is huge. And I think based on that, that does give you enough offense. Like, yeah, they they aren't the most I'll say they're they're not the like the sexiest offensive team, but they certainly have they have kind of similar to this to the Kraken, where it's like, okay, they've they've have quite a few guys who can who can contribute. And but the difference, I think, between the Hurricanes and the Kraken are that they've got some serious playoff experience. Uh, they, they've they been making it to the playoffs consistently. They've been deep in the playoffs. You know, they, they actually they beat the Islanders in 2019. They swept them in the second round to make it to the conference finals. So the Hurricanes have gone on runs. They know how to win. And I, I think in this first round, you, you have to look at the the totality of who the hurricanes are who they're led by ron francis they shoot the puck in a lot like they play what we think of like the the 90s 2000s kid thinks of as playoff hockey they play it i they're they're probably the team who will least have to shift their style come playoff time because of how much how often they shoot the puck in. you know it just that just seems to happen in the playoffs that the games become tighter there's more shooting the puck in and I really think that that leads to a huge advantage to Carolina who plays that way all year long and uh, whereas a lot of other teams carry the puck in a ton and you're not as worried about getting blown up in the regular season because guys are you know they're, they're playing at 95 percent for most of the year playoff time comes and you you drop to that hundred percent and that extra five percent is uh, a massive dip or a massive increase in how much effort everyone is willing to give and who's willing to throw hits all of a sudden you go from okay the two guys on the team that will will check to pretty much everyone's going to start hitting like you're going to see Austin Matthews out there hitting. You're going to see Sebastian Ajo is going to be trying to hit people, and I think that that's just a different different vibe than the regular season, of course. Yeah, I will give you that. There's definitely going to be a different vibe, and you know that's part of the reason too um, why I look at this this Islanders team, and I think you know again their depth at the forward group I think is built for playing that physical that physical game, right? Cal Clutterbuck. Matt Martin, Casey Sezikis, these are guys who know how to go hard and play hard for, you know, you know, a seven-game series if it gets down to it. Um, now, what I'm mo- most curious about, I think, you know, again, if we get into that that tough-checking, low-scoring kind of game, um, you know, my biggest question is going to be who shows up for Carolina in goal, um, right? Are we going to go ahead and call uh, – you know, Peter from the from the AHL, or are we going to rely well, on... Well, we know Antti Ranta is going to start game one. Right, yeah, because Freddie Anderson, right? He hasn't been the same Freddie Anderson we've seen the last few years uh, in, you know, in Carolina. I mean, a 903 save percentage this year, yes, he's been dealing with injuries again. Uh, and same with Ranta. And so, you know, I, I don't know. Kochenkov I, would be great to have, I think. Sure. I, I would probably prefer him, but... I, I mean, I have no but, issue with Ranta. I mean, Ranta last year in 13 games in the playoffs... A nine twenty two save percentage, and this year he's been a nine ten save percentage. He's he's above average. No, he's been yeah, good absolutely. when he can play. If he's healthy, he's he's fine. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. shows up for sure. But I guess if if you go toe to toe with Elias Sorokin, right? Sure, um, sure. I know what goaltending group I'm taking out of out of these guys right here, and so um, it's it's going to get real interesting if you if you got to play a tight defensive game because 
man, oh, man, I think, you know, Sorokin can show up. I mean, last time he was in the playoffs, right, 922 save percentage in 2021. Um, so clearly not his fault um, as far as, you know, why they didn't go past the first round. But, uh, man, this will this will well, be yeah, a fun and, little. And you and you also have, oh, Semyon Varlamov, who is just as good, who has been just as good this year. No, he's been he's been excellent, and yeah, and I think you're not worried forget, if he had to come in and, and play games too, right? And I think people forget too that we're just a couple years removed from this being a New York Islanders team that went to back to back Eastern Conference Finals, right? Right, hundred percent. Right. It's really like it doesn't feel like that long ago, but uh, yeah, they, I mean, they went from a team that couldn't miss the playoffs to all of a sudden they missed the playoffs last year, right? And so they're getting Matthew Barzell back. Um, I'm not sure exactly how healthy they're getting him back, but of course it'll probably take a few games for him to get up to speed. But the difference this year that they didn't have, you know, when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals back-to-back years is they have Bo Bo Horvat this year. Um, That's going to be interesting. You know, you lose one superstar in Carolina with Sveshnikov out, and you have another, you know, I don't want to call him a superstar, but you have another star player in Bo Horvat stepping in, uh, you know, getting a, a good taste of, of the playoffs now. And so, um, you know, obviously he's been in playoff mode for the last week. I mean, we saw his last five, you know, four games put up five points. He stepped up in a big way when the Islanders were facing elimination with Pittsburgh on their heels. So, um, you know, now he gets his line make back and, and Matt Barzell. So that'll be fun to watch. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think for the Islanders, the big unknown is that uh, we didn't see very many games with Barzell and Horvat both in the lineup. Very, absolutely so i mean that's that's the huge uh now question it's it is a question mark but also it's a wow okay so you're gonna you guys had basically barzell all year and then you you didn't and you had horvat by himself all year and you, you end up making the playoffs now what does your team look like when both those guys are in the lineup i to me it, it's one of those it's a it's a it's a pro but it's also a con because those guys are going to take a lot of minutes they're going to kind of be, still be getting comfortable with each other. It sounds like they're going to play together. Um, that's, you know, Barzell's going to play in the wing with Horvat. That's what I'm seeing in the lineup. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how they're utilized. And that's something, I'll say this for Carolina, they've at least, Shvetsnikov has been out for long enough to where this lineup's pretty figured out. Like they know who's playing with whom and, uh, at, and they're all comfortable together. That's an advantage, yeah. I think, for Carolina. And I think another advantage for Carolina, too, right? If we get down to, um, you know, again, playing a chess game here of who can, who's going to beat who, right? If you have to go down to the, the nitty-gritty, back to the head coach, right, up at the top, right? If I got Lane Lambert and, and Brenda Moore, I'm taking Brenda Moore all day. For a second, I thought you said Lame Lambert. I was like, why is he making fun of this guy? What did he do to him? <laughs> Does he play that boring of a style of hockey that <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I thought that. Um, yeah, I I think this series is going to be, it's going to, like you said, like you've been saying the whole time, it's going to be tight checking. We know that. Um, certainly advantage Ilya Sorokin and the Islanders from a goaltending perspective. In my opinion, practically everywhere else, advantage hurricanes from like depth to defense their defense just activates so much differently than the islanders um not the islanders have don't have a good defense um but i'll say one thing that i do know about this series that i can predict with 100 percent certainty sebastian ajo will advance to the second round with certainty huh 
well, there's a Sebastian Ajo on the Islanders <laughs> on the on defense. And, uh, uh, I like that, though. That's good. I know it. Um, okay, well, any anything you want to add to that before we give our predictions? Let's go predictions. Okay, well, I'll start. Uh, I have the Carolina Hurricanes taking this, but I think it's going to take the whole seven games. I think it's going to be tight, and uh, I think that Carolina will probably hold the lead for most of the series, but I think the Islanders are going to be – they're going to prove – uh, very pesky. They will not go away, much like this regular season. They just did not go away. But I think ultimately in a game seven, uh, the Hurricanes just have what it takes. They've, the, as a team, they've been here many times before. So I think that that's what, uh, what helps them over the top. Okay. Yeah. I am, um, you know, there's, I, I always look at, you know, when I, when I'm picking my series, I always try to think of one or two upsets, right? Cause they always happen. It seems like every year we, we get an upset in the first round. And so this was one that I picked as an upset just because, again, I look at goaltending and the lack of scoring with no Sveshnikov, no Pacioretty. Uh, that was Carolina's biggest issue to me last year was their lack of ability to score goals outside of Sebastian Ajo. And so um, to me, if you get into a low-scoring affair, I'm always going to take goaltending. And so I'm picking the Islanders to win this one, but in six games. Okay. Winning it in New York. So you've got them winning it in New York. I've got them winning it in Carolina. So Or the home team winning in, in The home team, baby. Yeah. Uh, okay, should we... Let's move on to the Bruins and the Panthers. Uh, the Bruins were 2-1-1 one, and one against the Panthers, which makes the Panthers 2-2-0 two, two, and oh against the Bruins. I hate that. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. Uh, essentially, these two teams split. 2-2, two and two, right? Just so happened to be one of them uh, went to extra time. Now, obviously, we know the Bruins won friggin' 65 games. Unbelievable. And set the record for most points at 135. Uh, this Bruins team had the most historic regular season we've ever seen. Now coming into the playoffs, what do you think? Yeah, right. So they've, they've, they've had the historic run. We know um, what they were able to do in the regular season when, when a lot of people were picking them to just barely get in the playoffs, if not just miss. Um, oh, I had them setting a few records. Oh, did you <laughs> yeah, I, I thought 63 was reasonable. Okay. So they, they slightly exceeded my expectations personally. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, look, there, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that I think um, everybody's loving on the Bruins right now and what they're able to bring. Um, look, they, they have so much depth up front. I am excited to see what this team can do in the playoffs because, look, we look at Patisse Bergeron, we look at David Krejci. These guys are, you know, up there in age. You know, I mean, even though they seem like ageless wonders and they could probably go on playing another five years if they, you know, keep playing the way they did this year. But um, ultimately, I think, you know, again, this is going to be one of those, you know, last gas runs potentially for, for the Bruins. Who knows, you know, if either one of these guys will re-sign again in the offseason. But, I think right now they've they've found some you know some chemistry there. We saw it with with Pasta and Krejci in the in the the World Championships last year that they just they seem to click right and they come in the regular season they put them back in a line together and it works so well. And, right? and he has I, I would say he he would be my runner up probably for MVP. Krejci David or Pasta? Pasta. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred and thirteen points, sixty sixty two goals. Six yeah, sixty one goals. Sixty one goals. Yeah. Insane. Uh, the guy's been all world fantastic. I'm, he's definitely in my top three as far as 
you know, MVP voting is concerned for sure. Because um, you look at the next guy on this list in their lineup, it's 67 points. I mean, right, right. almost almost a 50-point difference between the next guy. Which is the difference insane. between, like, Connor McDavid has Leon Dreisaitl right behind him. Right. And David Pasternak just tore it up and literally never lost a game this whole year. They lost 12 games in regulation. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but the great thing about this this Bruins team is literally if one line's not working, they I mean, this is a team that in my opinion can roll all four lines all the time, right? If you have a team like for example the New York Islanders, we talked about them if they're struggling to score, right? That that Matt Martin clutterbuck line isn't one you're going to go out there to put in and try to get a goal right. You're putting them out there in tight checking situations to play some defense, right? But this bottom line with with Thomas Nosek, Garnet Hathaway, and, and Nick Foligno, they're a line I think could easily chip in a goal or two when needed, right? They would be like their Darren Helms of last year with Colorado, right, where they just they had those timely goals. I think like Thomas Nosek in this line here could be that kind of line where they'll they'll chip in a timely goal when you need it and just really put the team over the top when maybe guys like Bertuzzi or Postum, you know, might struggle at some point. I don't know. I doubt it. But, you know, again, they have that ability. Let's not forget uh, Thomas Nosek. I know that it was, uh, I know that at this point it's like six years ago, but (laughs) he was on the Vegas Golden Knights when they went on their uh, Stanley Cup run to uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. And yes, he had six points in 17 games, but he scored some big goals. Uh, in, I, I can't, I, I'm looking at his stats now. He had one game-winning goal, and I remember, maybe it was an OT goal, I don't remember, but I remember him having a huge goal. Uh, but he scored four goals in those playoffs. And, uh, you know, hey, there's somebody who who knows how to step up to the challenge in the playoffs. And yeah, he's, he's not going to be really be relied upon to score goals. They're probably just... They could, but they're probably going to be the guys that go out to to piss off everyone else. Um, you're going to try and knock Barkov off his game. You're going to probably try and get Kachuk to fight you. See if you can't right. see if Garnet Hathaway can't pull him out of the game for five minutes. Uh, who you know it's, has been fantastic for Florida. We'll get to Florida, uh, but that third line is there a better third line than Charlie Coyle, Taylor Hall, and T- Tyler Bertuzzi from a talent standpoint in the NHL right now? Yeah, that's that's insane to think about, right? That that's your third line. Um, I mean, we'll we'll ultimately see if that ends up being the third line, or if one of those guys get moved up, right? Because uh, Patisse Bergeron, right? He's still a game sure. time decision for game one. But I think that that's a whole bunch of baloney. He's gonna play game <laughs> one. Yeah, I think so too. And so ultimately, I think that pushes Bertuzzi back to that third line, uh, and Zaka moves back down to that second line with with Krejci and Pasta. Yeah. But again, man, that's just. That's just disgusting depth. You have a former Hart Trophy winner on your third line. You have a guy that, I mean, again, Tyler Bertuzzi, he's going to come in so hungry, I think, in this series, right? He played in a Detroit team that has just been absent from the playoffs for so many years now. Um, You know, one of the longest playoff streaks in the, in the, you know, in the NHL without making it to playoffs, right? I think they're, they're like second or third on that list behind Buffalo and uh, gosh, who else? Maybe Ottawa, I think it was, but anyways, um, again, this is a guy who's in a contract year. He's looking to prove something. Yeah. And he's going to be a guy to me who's just going to, I think, just going to go out there, balls to the wall. He's going to hit everything that skates on the ice. And he'll be there right in front of the net, chipping in goals all series long. Yep. And a big playoff from out of uh, Garnet Hathaway is going to go, he's a UFA as well, going to go mm-hmm. a long way to getting him, uh, you know, a deal that maybe, maybe pushes him into that $3 million range, which is huge for a player like that. Uh, Absolutely. Definitely possible. Uh, okay, 
let's talk defense. We haven't hit defense in this series yet. Uh, I, we really haven't talked Florida Panthers much yet, uh, but I think we know, like we know what the Florida Panthers are going to bring. I, th- I think Paul Maurice said that, and I quote, I'm going to play Alex Barkov 47 minutes tonight. <laughs> That's what he said. Uh, so, I mean, we know their plan. Their plan is to not play anyone outside the bottom six or out the top six. <laughs> I don't think that they're dying to have Nick Cousins and Giovanni Smith and Colin White be out there for much longer than like eight minutes of the game. Yeah. Uh, Eric I mean, Stahl you look might their... be in the same same boat. Like Right. Giovanni Smith, though, I could see him. I mean, watching him in Detroit, he, he goes out there and he can hit, he can skate. Right, he just doesn't really chip in offensively. His, um, really uh, his here, let me. His last five games, he played four fifty six, six forty, four forty eight, seven forty nine, and six forty. So he's averaging about oh six minutes a game, five minutes a game, somewhere in there. So mm-hmm. I mean, they do not play their bottom <laughs> bottom guys very often. No, uh, I mean, what I will say though, the last few games, though, right, they're fighting for a playoff spot, right? So. Obviously, it's right. You know, right. you understand why, right? You're not going to play that bottom six. You're going to play your your best hands. But now your you're fighting starts. to win the playoffs. So right. uh, I think I think that's why is, you made the move for a guy like a Chuck because you wanted to go deep right. in the playoffs. Right. And this, but this is probably the biggest gulf for Florida to cross is going to be the fact that they really only have nine forwards that they feel comfortable playing at any considerable amount of time, a five on five. Whereas the Bruins are going to healthily roll every line. And that maybe doesn't make a difference in game one or two or even three. But eventually that is going to catch up. Especially since the Panthers have been playing, like you said, balls to the wall down the down the stretch. And the Bruins, they've just been kind of on cruise control and they're so damn good. They beat everybody. I know. Uh, and, and that is going to be a huge golf to jump for the, for the Panthers is going to be, you know, how do you beat this Bruins team with only nine forwards? You're going to either have to play those guys and hope that you, you know, coaching wise from what we've seen Paul Maurice do in the playoffs. I can't say that I'm confident that he's going to line match very well. So I, I, I'm concerned from a forward standpoint. I mean, I'm not concerned about their top six. I mean, I think their top six can, can at least compete with Boston. So I think they'll hang with them. It's going to yeah. be the rest of the lineup that's got me scared. Well, that's the thing, right? You talk about matchups, right? You're you're playing your top six anytime. I mean, that top nine for Boston's on the ice, right? And then you see their fourth line out there. Then you can roll out Eric Stahl or maybe throw out. Well, and uh, Eric Nick Stahl Cousins. has been. I mean, he's been playing actually quite a bit. I'm I was surprised to see how much he'd been playing in in the final three games. He was averaging about 17 minutes a game. Yeah, he's been effective. Yeah, he's been effective for this team. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough for the for the Panthers from a forward standpoint. Now, when we talk defensively, uh, you know, do you, how many minutes do you think Aaron Ekblad's going to be playing? Oh my gosh, he and Brandon Montour are probably going to see 26, 27 minutes each a game easily. Um, and then when you look at, I mean, Gusta Forsling. Um, again, he'll probably play 24, 25 minutes as well. Uh, Racco Gudis, uh, you might see him chip in. The rest of the guys, Mark Stahl, you'll probably see them chip in 15 minutes each, to be honest. I, I don't really see them playing any more than 15, 17 minutes apiece. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of what is what I foresee in this series 
is who can like you kind of have this Matthew Kachuk Brad Marchand that I really like that matchup because it's kind of two guys that are both kind of seen as douchebags they're like you know a lot of people don't like them uh, from a from playing against some kind of standpoint they're sandpaper exactly and and they're they also they're the guy who is going to just kind of spear you <laughs> spear you in the balls they're those kinds of guys and uh, brad marchand's gotten away with it for a very long time matthew kachuk doesn't put up with anything I, i'm just wondering who who kind of like breaks first from that standpoint who is going to get pulled into the fight and from Florida's standpoint, that's going to be like you're going to get Radko Gudis trying to get guys going. Uh, and from from Boston's standpoint, that's going to be that whole fourth line. Like who can you just get going and dr- try to draw into the fight and distract them from uh, from just that? And that is going to be, I think, the thing that Florida has to keep in mind. Like Kachuk cannot engage in that if they want to win. Whereas the Bruins, yeah, they, if Marchand engages in it, it's it's going to be fine. <laughs> I right. don't think that that's going to be an issue. You can't afford to have Kachuk in the box. No. No, you can't. So, uh, well, we didn't really hit much on goaltending other than the fact that uh, I'll just say this now, that the Bruins have the advantage. <laughs> that's <what laughs> I don't I'll, think there's any doubt there. <laughs> yeah, poten- uh, probably a Vesna, at least runner-up. He's going to be up for the Vesna for sure, Alinas Allmark. Uh I think it's in the bag. It was. uh, I I did see that he is a game time decision. My guess is that he will go. Um, I can't see Bergeron and Linus Allmark both not not being there for game one. But no big deal. If Jeremy Swayman has to go game one, I don't think you have any problem with that. And I I, one one side note, I'm curious. I know Minnesota is going to do it. I am curious to see will any other team bounce between two goaltenders on a regular basis here in the playoffs that's a good question because minnesota yeah. has come out and said they will do that yeah because why not right you've got the flower you've got Gustafson Gustafson flower, playing, yeah. right uh but yeah so for me if i mean if i'm boston i'm riding all mark as much as possible now again if you got to go to swayman i will still take swayman over any of these florida goaltenders so yeah. Yeah. i'm okay with it yep okay so who do you have winning this series and, and why i want to hear why too okay so I am going to take a huge upset here with the Florida Panthers in seven games, okay? And, and here's my reason why. Literally everybody, I would say 99.9% of everybody predicting is picking the Bruins. And That's justfully so. Smart. Rightfully yeah. so, right? Yeah, no reason not to. But when I heard when Alex Lyon was going to be back in net again tonight, I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm picking the Panthers. <laughs> I'm going to pick them to win. I'm going to pick one of the biggest upsets. And not only that, but I went back and I looked at, you know, the last, you know, uh, few teams to set set these records for most wins in a season, right? Tampa Bay did it. Yep. They got swept in the first round by Columbus. Detroit did it. They got beat out in the third round by Colorado, right? So you look at these teams that have been just so dominant in the regular season, uh, just end up losing in the playoffs. And, you know, I, don't, I mean – Tampa's the way they lost was just embarrassing. But um, again, the teams at the top outside of, you know, the Canadians of the seventies, they, they're not that dominant in the playoffs. So, you know what? I figured, you know what? Hey, do you not a question? Do you not find making it to the conference finals and losing in seven games pretty dominant? No, I 
I think I think it's because that's what the Wings did in 1996. Right. No, I, I think it's great. But again, <laughs> all I'm saying is they just don't they don't make it to the they don't win the Stanley sure. Cup. Right. Uh, not- the, well, and the the President's Trophy winner does not win the Stanley Cup every time. I mean, it's what like it's like 15, 15 or twenty percent of the time. Yeah, it's pretty low. Something like that. Which I mean, the the chances of winning if you just get in are are what sit like from a purely just baseline if every team is equal opportunity you're talking like six seven percent with 16 yeah. teams getting it. but you know what if if i'm right and florida wins this thing because they're going to be hungry they're going to be out to prove something right because nobody's taking them seriously um i look like a freaking genius so you know what i said to hell with okay. them. i'm gonna pick florida in seven games you know what happens when i'm right <laughs> you just look dumb uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. No, I, I think that Florida Florida has a shot only because of that top six. That top six is so underrated uh, being in Florida. I think, and, and yes, there is the element of, hey, let's look at, Ber- like if Bergeron and Olmark are game time decisions, yeah, maybe they're, maybe they're, they're like there's going to be a lingering injury. Oh. Uh, Granted, Patrice Bergeron won a Stanley Cup, I think, with a broken rib. Punctured uh, lung. Punctured lung. That's what it was. Punctured yes. lung. So uh, I just feel like he'll be fine. <laughs> he always is. Uh, but apparently it's an illness, actually. It's not It's not actually an injury for, uh, uh, for Bergeron. Got a little flu bug. He's, he's been under the weather. So come on. He's going to play. You pump him full of something and you get him out there. Um but I, I don't think that Florida has much chance, but I am going to say that they push this thing to six games. Okay. I believe is what I have the Bruins in six. I think Alex line maybe steals one early. That's All right. Maybe it's my, tonight. Maybe. Uh, so, okay. So you, well, sorry. How many games did you have the Panthers winning it in? Oh, seven. seven. Yeah. It's got to okay. go all seven. <laughs> okay. Seven games. Now that would be if the Bruins go and lose, four games they, like i said they only lost well they lost 17 games total if you include overtime um in a shootout they lost twice in ot and three times in a shootout so really an actual hockey playing uh outside of a shootout they lost 15 times this year so that would be a, a more than 25 percent of their losses coming in this playoff series it's just hard to imagine Especially right, we, shall see. we shall see. Um, and if Alex Lyon fails, then, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky might be able to, to sneak in there. And uh, if he can reach back the clock a little bit, you know, he might, <laughs> might have a chance. Um, all right, let's move over to the Minnesota wild and the Dallas stars. Um, now, and, and don't, it, it is not lost on us. If you're listening to this right now, uh, Probably you're listening to this after game one of these mon- uh, Monday night games. So, you know, you, you'll already know. We don't know yet. And that, that just is what it is. But uh, Dallas and Minnesota, they play tonight at 930. And uh, they're, I mean, they're playing what? The second time uh, ever in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Stars beat the Wild in six games in 2016. The Dallas Stars were 2-0-2 against the Wild, and the Wild were 2-2. So we'll just say they split the they split their two in the regular season, so uh, that's not going to help us here. What do you think of this series, Justin? Boy, I think we have an entirely different-looking, in my opinion, Stars team this year than we did last year, right? Um Bill Guerin came out today already, or it wasn't today, but it was this past weekend, and said that he thinks this wild team could have beaten last year's wild team. 
Um, but I, I'm in the same boat with Dallas. I think this year's Dallas team could have beaten last year's Dallas team, right? So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So go tip for tat on that one, whatever you want to call it, Bill Guerin. But I think this Dallas team here has just much more depth to them. Jamie Ben's playing on a different level than he was last year. I think Max Domi has got the potential to be a real X factor for this team. Um, so you've got all these things clicking at their forward group. And of course, the X factor always in goal, Jake, you know, Ottinger, he is just, he's a playoff performer, right? It's been proven since he stepped in his rookie year. I mean, he can just, he can bring it in the playoffs. He knows how to, but on the flip side, Minnesota, man, they're just, like you said, they're rotating goaltenders. So, you know, again, you don't have to worry about, you know, a lot of teams, they'll just ride a guy till they die. Right. And that's typically their downfall, right? They're, they're not, they're not able to make the smart decisions and make changes quick enough, right? Where I think this Minnesota team, they've got a ton of depth on defense. And, my, and in my opinion, I would probably take this defense over, uh, you know, the Dallas Stars defensive core. But And probably, you know, as a whole, this goaltending group, I like both these goaltenders better than the duo that Dallas has. But I'll take Ottinger over any one of these goaltenders any day. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, again, pick your poison. But I think it's, it's going to be another tight-checking game. Um, you know, similar to Carolina and, and the Islanders, I think we're probably going to have a low-scoring affair on this one. Because um, if you can, if you're Minnesota and you can somehow shut down, um, you know, that top line just a little bit, I think that's going to be your best bet to to pull it away in the series. Yeah, I, you know, Kirill Kaprizov was out for a little while, and the way that they had to play without him in the lineup, uh, they played very well. They won seven of the. I think they were like seven, two, and three or something without him in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, that bodes well. It shows that they can, they certainly know how to play a team game. I mean, that's that's never been a question. Um, I I just I look at I look at what they have to offer in their top six. Kaprizov, fantastic, Boldy, phenomenal. The rest of their top six, very average or under average. In comp- especially in comparison, I mean, Dallas's top line might be the best line in all of hockey, and they're like they're just they're so deep. Their third line, it's not quite what Boston has, but maybe for a we- for the Western Conference, it might be the best third line. With Jamie Ben playing the way that he has with Wyatt Johnston, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's fair to say that Wyatt Johnston should get some uh, some Calder Trophy looks at twenty four goals. I mean, he he's played great, and and then Evgeny Dadnov, his addition at the deadline. I mean, Dadnov brings a lot of experience. He's been to the playoffs. He, you know, he's he's just he's been around the block, and that's never a bad thing. He's played pretty well with Dallas. Fifteen points in twenty three games since arriving there with the Stars. So, I I look at that. And I just see a confident, motoring top, like forward group, and the Wild. I do wonder, you know, is Kirill Kaprizov 100%? Matt Boldy, this is his first playoff run. Uh, what is that going to look like? It's just a different, it's it's different, you know, going on those playoff runs. Uh, it's, it's a different vibe than what it would be in the regular season. So I, I guess he probably, uh, he did play six playoff games last year. That's my bad. Uh, he had one goal. So I guess possibly he's he, he makes a little step, but again, he kind of had this, he had that kind of year where you go, Oh, okay, here he is. This is the guy we were hoping for. It doesn't always translate to a really great playoff run 
um, after the fact. So that's, that's another concern for me. Um, but hey, all in all, I like that the Minnesota Wild were able to make the playoffs, and I also like that you've got Jake, Jared, Jonas, John, and John on the defensive side. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, that is great. And and they, you know, as far as their team goes, and and again, we we haven't actually mentioned that Joel Erickson Eck is out for the Minnesota Wild, um, which really really hurts um, the Wild Wild's opportunity. You know, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to play again. Uh, but that that definitely hurts with him out. But then you've got Jake, Jared, Jonas, John, Joel, and John, which is pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you, you talked about third lines, right? And so one person to not write off and just to, to keep an eye on for me is is the Goose, right? Gustav Nyquist, right? Uh, yeah, sneaky little loose. acquisition there at the deadline by them. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people were were you know crying foul, right? You know because they thought, oh, he's going to be injured till the playoffs. Five points so in three games. Right. He's looked really, really great. And you look at his minutes going up every single night. And I think, especially with Eric's going to act out, I think they're going to rely heavily on him to, to help contribute. Um, so, you know, keep an eye on him. And then another guy, Ryan Reeves, again, he's not going to produce offensively, but I think he's going to be kind of a little bit of a sandpaper, a little irritation. He's going to be one of those guys I think you're going to see go out against that that third line in the Dallas Stars and try to, you know, get Jamie Ben get you know, Tyler Sagan off their game a little bit and try to just really shake things up a little bit so that really this this top six and, you know, top nine for the, the Minnesota Wild have a shot at really trying to, you know, stay pace with the top six of the Dallas Stars. I'll say this. The, I have the Stars winning this series on uh, six games, but I don't think that you come out of this series unscathed. I think this is going to be a heavy – like. Minnesota just plays a heavy game come playoff time and like that's that's going to be the tough thing you know can you get out of this series quick enough to be healthy enough to to actually have a good run and to not have you know one of your top guys hurt here in the first round because they're they're going to be out for blood yeah no I agree I think you know again this Minnesota team is is going to be able to steal a couple games not because of goaltending but I think because that top line with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, I think they're going to work some magic and take over a game or two. Um, but ultimately, I'm with you. I think Dallas wins this series. Um, I just think, you know, in the long term, Ottinger uh, is going to be too good for them. And then they're just – Minnesota's really going to – this is what I've been saying all year long. They needed a centerman. They need a top six centerman to really take this team and anchor that top line and go to the next level. Um, you know, and so they're going to they're gonna miss out on that. That's really going to hurt them, I think, in the long run. Um, yes, the series is going to go seven games in my opinion, but, um, you know, I'm with you. I think, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's going to be too much, too much, Ottinger, yep. too much, you know, J- Jason Robertson and, and Joe Pa. I think they're going to, they're going to be on a mission this year. Okay. Yeah. I have Dallas in six. You've got them in seven. So, uh, go stars. <laughs> uh, first one we've agreed upon. Yes. Yes. First one we've agreed upon. Uh, yeah, I just, I, it, watch it'll be the one the one that we're wrong on uh, <laughs> all right let's go to the Oilers and the Kings the final game one being played on Monday uh, we've got a rematch of last year's seven game series and boy oh boy it's gonna be a fun one what how many how many freaking points did the oil or did uh, McDavid <laughs> dry have just against the Kings last year I should have looked it up before this but I, I think they had like 14 somewhere in there they were like two points a game uh so i mean 
the question is, can the Kings contain McDavid and Dreisaitl? A healthy Dreisaitl, by the way. Um, Which I guess Dreisaitl got hurt in game six against the Kings. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. You look at this this LA Kings team, and I think they've got two of the best shutdown centers in the game, right? I mean, we talk about Patisse Bergeron and, and Sasha Barkov, but I, I mean, I'll take, you know, Anze Kopitar and, and Philip Deneau, you know, as, as much as I would any of those other guys. But, um, man, you I think you can only shut down, you know, I mean, Dreisaitl and McDavid for so long and for, you know, I mean, I don't think you can do it a whole entire game. I mean, maybe one game for an entirety, but eventually they're going to break through, right? They're too smart. They're too quick. They're too good. Um, you know, to, you know, they'll, they'll find ways to get around both these guys, um, and break out. And so to me, it's, you know, if LA has any chance, right, they need to, um, get production out of their, their bottom line guys much, much more than, you know, Edmonton is hoping to get out of theirs. And then of course they've got to get the better goaltending. And I mean, Corpusalo has looked really, really good for LA this year. I mean, so far 11 games, seven wins and a nine twenty one save percentage, um, and I mean, I hate to say it, but I think it's going to take a 930 plus save percentage to win this series if you're L.A. And I, I mean, I hate Ooh. to be to the point right now, but that's what I think it's going to take. Because so you think you would, you would say that, well, that he, they need a very high save percentage because they're going to outshoot them that badly? Well, I mean, I think Edmonton is, you know, I don't know if Edmonton's going to necessarily outshoot that. Because I don't think, um, like, Edmonton is the worst defensive team in the Western Conference. By far, like, by oh, far yeah. outside well, yeah, of I mean, Seattle, right? So, I mean, they, yeah, they definitely, but, I mean, you, you could at, score on them. Yeah, no, I'm not saying you can't score on them, right? But, uh, again, I just think, you know, again, when you when you get down to it, Connor McDavid and, and Dreisaitl are going to do their thing, and they're going to put up the shots. They're going to put up the points but you have to minimize that damage. And if you allow them to be the only ones that are scoring, right, you can shut down everybody else saying that, right? Say, say you let Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl score, you know, a total of 10 goals this whole entire series, right? But if you go seven games and you only give up 10 goals, you're looking pretty good, right? right? But, right. you know, again, if, you know, if you're LA, you've, you've got to find ways to just to, to minimize that damage because they're going to get their opportunities. They're going to get their chances. And so I think, again, you're just going to need stellar goaltending. Um, You're going to need a stellar defense. And I think LA has that. They have the ability to shut down, but you know, it's in my opinion, I just think ultimately these guys are too good. They're on a mission. And there's a reason why, uh, you know, Vegas has picked them as the Stanley cup, you know, favorites this year outside of Boston. Yep. They like the flashy numbers. Um, I'll say this about the uh, about this series. I mean, they they have played each other a lot the last two the last calendar year, right? Fifteen times <laughs> in the last year, and then they'll play another four to seven here. So twenty twenty plus times that they'll played in a calendar year. Uh, that's a lot of times against against another team. I think the biggest difference that we're seeing this year from last year is Drew Doughty, right? Like he's he's going to make a considerable difference. Can he shut down McDavid? <laughs> I don't think so. No, no, no one else has been able to. Uh, so to me, it's more, you know, can you outscore the Oilers? I mean, you don't want to get in an all-out sprint with them. You won't win. But L.A. was no slouch when it came to scoring goals. I mean, they, they had 280 goals in the season. I mean, it wasn't, they, it wasn't that they couldn't score goals. Uh, I think something I'm looking at down the stretch, the Kings kind of, they, they struggled. You know, they went backwards. Um, the second half of the season, whereas the Oilers, my goodness, the hottest team headed into the playoffs, nine straight wins. And, 
they just they look like it's going to take a team with a tremendous amount of depth to be able to beat them because the well, if if there's one thing the Oilers don't have it's depth right it's, yeah. which has always been the thing it's it's depth but shoot they're maybe the one team that doesn't need depth because <laughs> right. their top end is just so good uh but and then Matthias Ekholm has made all the difference coming in there and has has absolutely solidified the back end and has made it has made it like you can actually play goal now back there for the Oilers uh, and that's that's a huge bump uh, that he, that he's created for the Oilers so they don't just win on their offense they now have that steady guy back there who they can rely upon uh, outside of that top you know that top pairing and Darnell Nurse is good he's good. Uh, but he's not a he's not a number one, hundred percent all the time type of defenseman. He's a he's a one A maybe a one B, but you surround him with other defensemen, other pairings that can get the job done, and the Oilers are in a good spot. Um, where do you see this series going compared to last year? I guess I, you know I, I I did forget to say that uh, the other uh, the other player that uh, for the. LA Kings. Where am I going? My brain. Uh, the player for the LA Kings that was not there, uh, Quinton Byfield. He did not play last year. I don't think in the playoffs, right? Um, I'm was not really. Sh- yeah, I don't know, but I, I, I yeah. actually thought you were going to go with uh, with good old Kevin Fiala because he was in Minnesota uh, last Kevin year. Kevin Fiala too. Yes, Kevin Fiala yeah. too. Uh, he played in two playoff games last year. And and had one shot on goal. So I'll say he didn't really. He wasn't. He wasn't an impact. Uh, but I I like him going going this year. I, I I think that he's I think he's built for the playoffs, and I think it'll be interesting okay. to watch him play. I think this could be a, a little bit of a coming out for Quinton Byfield, even yeah, if they don't I mean, win the series. You certainly hope so, right? I mean, listen, Kevin Fiala is obviously probably not going to be there for game one, but he'll return at some point to series. And so, yes, you need guys like Quinton Byfield to step up. We need you know Alex Iafalo to just go to another level because. Listen, I mean, they're going to need everybody chipping in at 125% if they're going to, you know, have any chance at beating this this Edmonton team because, like you said, they can rely on their top six and get it done without having to worry about their their bottom six as much. And, um, you know, yes, I would probably take L.A.'s uh, defensive group as a whole over Edmonton's any day, but Matthias Ekholm has looked like a legit number one, I mean, game-changing defenseman back there. He, he is, you know, I mean, he's done wonders for this team since he came in. And so um, – that kind of, you know, being able to solidify the back end and giving your goaltender that kind of confidence, um, you know, that, you know, hey, if you make a mistake, your defense is there to back you up. Um, it's it'll be great. So, um, yeah, but for me, I, I think, you know, prediction time, I, I'm taking Edmonton. I think it's hard not to um, almost impossible not to. I think, you know, they'll do it in six games. I think and I think L.A.'s got an opportunity and they'll get some decent goaltending where I think they could probably walk away with a you know, a, a game or two if, you know, Dreisaitl or McDavid only managed to put up a point in a game or something like that. Uh, they could come away maybe with like a 4-3 victory. But, um, you know, if that's assuming that the bottom six is, is a little dry there. So, Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Oilers also. I'm going seven games. I think that the Kings have the horses to kind of push this a little bit. And Philip Deneau, Andre Kopitar, you can't count them out with their ability to uh, to shut guys down. Maybe they can't shut down McDavid, but they certainly will be able to keep 
everyone else at bay. And I think that that's also important. And, you know, we didn't even really talk about Adrian Kempe who scored, <laughs> followed his 35 goal season up with a 41 this year. Uh, there are some good offensive t- players on the LA Kings and, uh, and also, Hey, Jonas Corposalo was only there since the deadline. Uh, I know that it hasn't been, you know, it, it hasn't been perfect thus far, but he certainly has played better than what they were getting before. Uh, out of Jonathan Quick and you know Phoenix Copley, even who who basically saved their season to begin with, but still getting below average goaltending. And now with Corpusalo in there, he may be just the just the tune up that they needed to kind of get them close to winning. I don't think they can. I don't think they will win, but I think they could win uh, with really great goaltending. And Corpusello yep. offers the opportunity to have that. As he's, I mean, he's been like a top ten goalie all season long. It's just he was on a garbage team for a while in Columbus. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're you're, you have the Oilers in six. I have them in seven. Um, but I think the Oilers fans are going to be be gulping all the way. It's going to be a, it's going to be interesting I, because it's a it's a rematch. Rematches are tough. You know, the other team has had all year to to plot for you. They've been thinking about you, and, and you kind of been thinking about who maybe you beat or who, who you lost to later in the playoffs. They're thinking about you. That is something to consider. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Devils and the Rangers. Uh, by the way, this is the first time since 2007 that all three New York-based teams made the playoffs. Nice. Yeah, and uh, the first time that... The Devils and the Rangers play each other since 2012. It's been 11 years. Um, they played in the Eastern Conference Final, and the Devils won in six games to reach the finals. And then they, you know, eventually lost that one to the LA Kings. Previous Good old Zach Parise days. That's that's right. He scored some big goals. Uh, the Rangers went one, two, and. One against the Devils. The Devils three zero and one in this series. So they, you know, the Devils dropped one in OT and won the rest of them. Uh, so definitely advantage Devils from a standpoint of like how they played each other in the regular season. But the regular season, I, I I'm kind of throwing that out in this series. The Rangers are just too experienced and also changed their team by bringing in Patty Kane at the deadline. So anything before that. Uh, we can kind of say, well, that's, you know, the Rangers struggled a little bit earlier. That's not the case now. What do you think coming in to this series against the Devils? Yeah, th- this is a tale of two different teams, right? You've got the young guns, the the fast skating Devils, right? They They are almost the best in the league as far as the transition game is concerned, in my opinion. They can get up and down the ice just as quick as anybody else. Um, and then, of course, you've got um, – you know, the, the New York Rangers, they're the grizzled vets. The, the I don't want to call them the old guys yet because, I mean, they're not really old. But, um, you know, you've got the experienced guys in Zabinijad, you know, Patty Kane, Tarasenko, guys who have won it, have the rings on there, right? I mean, that's the whole point of bringing in Patrick Kane and Tarasenko, guys with that experience, that that knowledge, how to win and how to go deep. I mean, look, these these are tales of two different teams that I think are going to collide and and create one heck of a series. And in my opinion, probably going to be my favorite series to watch uh, in this first round, just because I think, again, there's that rivalry, right? You got two New York teams. Um, you know, the devils haven't been there in a while. Uh, they've been, you know, slowly developing into this, this powerhouse here for the next 
foreseeable future and the rangers are are right there this is their window they have to i mean they they made the moves to bring in the guys to say we're winning now this is going to be our year um and they certainly have the pieces to do so you know the one thing i am curious about though for this this ranger team is um you know how are they going to respond as a leadership group right uh last year didn't have a captain and this year they come in and they make uh jacob truba their captain and he seems to be the perfect fit for this team. And so I'm interested to see how this, this group does when they do get in a little bit of trouble, right? When they do struggle a little bit, maybe they're just not scoring or they just can't keep up with New Jersey speed. How do they respond is, you know, as a group uh, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then, of course, um, you know, on the flip side, the Rangers also have a lot of younger guys, too, in, in terms of their third line. We, we know Lafreniere, Kako, and, and Phil Piedel, right? Can these guys take it to another level? We know um, these guys have all pretty much put up 40 points a piece this year. And, you know, as a third line, that's, that's pretty dang good. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think this series is going to be defined likely by goaltending, you know, up front, both teams have some horses. They've got great offensive talent up front. Uh, both teams have, have some good defensive talent there too. Uh, the Rangers in particular have a Norris trophy winner on their back end. Um, and true, as you mentioned, but, Man, is this all? This is to me is all going to come down to goaltending, uh, because shoot, the Devils' goaltending in the in the past has been so bad that it kept them out of the playoffs, and this year Vitek Vanacek has been really good, but he has also you know he's he's been in this position before where where he was uh, he was relied upon, and you know that he he played for Washington in the playoffs last year, really struggled. Uh, gave up seven goals in two games in the two games that he started last year. And in three playoff games, he is, I mean, he did win one of those games. So he's, he's one and one, but uh, 4.25 goals against average and an eight, five, five save percentage. And I know it's, this is with a totally different team. It's a totally different year, but you're also going up against Shesterkin who in the, the, the quarter of this, uh, this season, and he kind of struggled early on in the season, but I mean, 12-3-1, 1.98 goals against, and a 9-3-4 save percentage and two shutouts in the last 23 games of the season for Shesterkin. I mean, he was absolutely dirty. <laughs> yes. And he's walking into the playoffs. If you have a 9-3-4 save percentage in the playoffs, you're going to win probably 49 out of 50 times, unless the guy has a 9-3-5. The other guy on the other side is 9-3-5. Uh, that is phenomenal. And... Uh, Boy, can can Vitek Vanacek keep up? That that is going to be a a huge question. Can he at least stabilize the Devils enough to where you know the Devils can can throw Shesterkin off of his game with I mean, you know second best offense in the Eastern Conference? They're no slouch from an offensive standpoint and a very good defensive team as well. But and Shesterkin is the X factor. The hundred percent is the X factor in this series. We're not going to see any Yaroslav Halak barring injury. No, no, not at all. It's, it's going to be all Shesterkin for sure. Um, and then the other X factor, I mean, we, we haven't really talked much about him. He's, he's in a contract year, um, but he's been relegated to the third line. And, and, and I, I just look at this and I say, okay, cool. You got to find a way to better utilize him because essentially in the 14 ish, or I'm sorry, 21 games he played with this team, he put up nine goals. So, He's almost on pace for a 40-goal season, and that's Timo Meyer. Um, yeah. You know, I think when you get down to it and you have to go to your depth guys, right, having a guy like that on your on your third line right now is, I mean, I don't want to know, if, I don't know if I would call it a third line, but, 
I mean, yeah, essentially he's playing with Eric Halla and Jesper Boquist. So that's your third line, and that's a pretty damn good third line. I mean, not as good as, you know, Boston, like we talked about earlier, but um, pretty man, close. I mean, yeah, pretty, yeah close. Pretty, pretty close to it, right? So you, you have a guy who you know can put up, can put up some goals and can chip in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, obviously, in the offseason what happens with him. But um, outside of that, from the Devils, too, another guy that I'm interested to see if he plays in the playoffs, and I, I don't see him right now, at least on daily faceoff, they – you know, they have it last updated as far as this morning at 11.30 a.m., but Luke Hughes not on yeah. the, the top six pairing right yeah, now. Scratched so. scratched for game one, which I, I think is fair. I, yeah. I actually think it's fair. I mean, their defensive, their top six, is, or, you know, their whole defensive group has been so good. I know Luke Hughes was really good in the regular season. I think he showed enough to get an opportunity, but I think as the Devils go, you, you got to start the guys you've been playing all year long. They're healthy. You just got to play them. And then when invariably one of your D-men goes down or you find, hey, we need to we need to sprinkle in a little more speed here. You know, you can you can shift guys out. You can move Ryan Graves out of the lineup. You know, you can you can make adjustments as need be. But I think this is the smart move going into game one to shelter Luke Hughes, give him just the opportunity to be a part of the team and then bring him in later in the series. You know, maybe it's game two, you know, but you bring him in uh, a little bit later into the series after he kind of gets his, his footing in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you look at the numbers, uh, a lot of their top four defensemen have got like between Marino, uh, Ryan Graves. These guys have played very well as far as, you know, both sides of the puck. The defensive game has been great for them. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, Luke Hughes has still got uh, a ways to go before he's going to be a top four defenseman in this this league. I mean, I, I think it might only be a year uh, before he's ready for that, but um, you know, of course, yeah, if you get up two games to one or something like that or, or three games to one, absolutely put him in there, uh, see what he can do, give him an opportunity, play him, you know, that, you know, 13, 14 minutes on that third pairing and, uh, you know, roll him out there for maybe some power play time and see what he's got. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just to mention this too, the Rangers, their top six is very different than it was last year. You added Patrick Kane, Vincent Trocek, and Vladimir Tarasenko into your top six. Uh, their their third line stays the same from last year's playoffs. That kid line of Lafreniere, Heedle, and Kako. So you're, you've you've really changed things up from an offensive standpoint. And you know Patrick Kane's been he's been fine uh, since coming to the Devils. Can he find like can he be the Patrick Kane that they're hoping that he can be? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I. I think he he's one of those those gifted players that knows how to turn it on, right? And I think you're coming from a situation where you've just been in a losing culture for a couple of years, and now you get an opportunity to come to New York, and it's it takes time to adjust, right? I mean, I I mean personally, I don't know what goes on inside that locker room, but I think the Rangers have a good leadership group already, so it's it would be easier for him to transition. But as far as his style of play, right, he's been a guy who's been a line driver. He's been a guy who's created the offense and really like it's been the Patty Kane show in Chicago for so long where like essentially if he wants to go out there and play a certain way, the coaches just let him do it. Right yeah. now he comes to a New York team where, you know, he's playing on a top line right now with Kreider and Zabinajad and those guys play a certain way. They've already got that developed chemistry. And so you're trying to, you know, find your way in with those guys and how to how to get a piece of that. Right. Just to kind of like, OK, how can I contribute to what you're already doing? Not necessarily how can you contribute to what I'm doing? Uh, you know, can take some time to adjust and. You know, I think the great thing for Patty Kane is, you know, he's very versatile. So, if you know, maybe, you know, that top line's struggling. He can, you know, swap up and down that lineup, you know, put Tarasenko up there and then put Patty Kane back with Panarin and see if you can't get that chemistry going back again. All right. Yeah, it's uh, it is one of the head scratchers to me. 
that they they're not putting him with Panarin. Uh, who do you have winning this series? I know yeah. who you have. I know who I know who you have. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I'm a I'm a Rangers fan. They're my We've all known. We team. know. If you listen to the show, you know Justin's yes. picking the Rangers and Shesterkin. Yes, gotta go Shesterkin. But ultimately, I just I love this this forward group. What they did by adding Tarasenko and Kane, and I think this kid line is going to take another jump compared to what they. I mean, they were the most consistent line for the Rangers last last playoffs, and I think again they're going to be just as good now. Not necessarily maybe the most consistent, but I think they're going to contribute even more than what they did. Um, and then you've got, I mean, just a, a fantastic defense and the, the best goaltender, in my opinion, right now uh, in the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, I am going the Devils. Uh, this maybe is my, you know, you you picked Florida to beat Boston, and this is maybe my like, yeah, you know what? I really would like to see the Devils win this this series. It would be, it would like really fire this rivalry right up if, if that were to happen. Uh and I think they absolutely have a chance to win this series, 100%. I think they've got the offense. They've got the speed. That's going to be the Rangers' biggest difficulty is keeping up with the Devils. However, come playoff time, you know, everything gets a little more congested. That leans towards the Rangers. So what type of game are we going to see between these two teams? You know, that'll be determined by, like, who kind of controls that play. And, uh, of course, that that X factor is just Sturkin. However, I have the Devils winning in seven games. Uh, I don't think home ice advantage is going to be a huge factor in this series because of how close they are together. Um, sure. But I think that and, – and, and you can just stay at home if you want to uh, in between these games because of how close they are, which is a really nice perk. But, I, man, I think that that addition of Timo Meyer to me, I'll take Timo Meyer over Patrick Kane and Tarasenko. I think he makes that big of a difference and is ultimately the reason the Devils win. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the Golden Knights and the Jets. Uh, this is I I don't know. Is this going to be Is this going to be Jonathan Quick or is it going to be Laurent Brossois? Brossois. Brossois. I think that's who they're going with to start the playoffs. Actually, but I, I don't know. If I don't know if they've announced it yet. No, Brossois. Oh. Yeah, it's it's Bressois, yeah. uh right now, at least according to uh, uh, Daily Faceoff. Okay, yeah. so I mean the game's not till tomorrow, so that I don't know that they know a hundred percent, right? Like it, he, you know, you don't have the guy going off the ice at a certain time. That's that's usually the uh, the way to know is oh he went off the ice first, he's starting tonight, kind of thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I mean that's that's got to be the biggest question mark in this series is that goaltending for the golden Knights. They're, they're great everywhere else. It's just that goaltending. Yeah. Yeah. That's a question mark. Right. And I think, I think it's going to be a short leash for either one of these guys, regardless who you're putting in. Right. I mean, we know with Winnipeg, they're going Hollabuck till they die. There's no point even looking at, at David Riddich. It's, uh, you know, no. David <laughs> Riddich need not even show up to the game. <laughs> right. They might as well call somebody up from the, their emergency backup. No, they'll, they'll just tape Connor up to the posts. If he gets yeah. hurt, you know, if his leg hurts, <laughs> just tape him on there. Right. Um, but, I mean, Brassois has been pretty good. They, I mean, a 927 save percentage in 11 games for this team uh, so far this year. Pretty good numbers. And, I mean, you've still got Aiden Hill there. Um, I'm not sure what's up with his injury situation, but a 915 save percentage. And uh, Logan Thompson, too, same thing, right? I don't know where. Both, yeah, both not going to start the series at least. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got options there in net. And, you know, not to mention Jonathan Quick. I mean, he looked – 
pretty good last year in the playoffs for for the Kings. And then, of course, um, we know the pedigree he brings to this this team here. And I think that's part of the reason Vegas went out to get him because they want to make sure they get a guy who can go to the next level if possible. Um, not necessarily that they don't trust Logan Thompson, which was their original plan, but um, you know, of course, that injury bug hits, and then you got to make a quick decision. So, um, you know, quick seems to have worked out pretty decently for this team. I think he's looked he's looked okay. Hasn't looked great, but uh, he's looked okay for this team so far. But yeah, I think that to me, if, if you're Vegas, is the biggest question mark. They do get Mac. Mark Stone back, which is going to be great. Um, he's going to probably start on that third line, I think, with with Chandler Stevenson. Um, those two guys, you know, clicked a couple years ago in the playoffs, um, or you know, the last few years, anyways. And so uh, that'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much they play Mark Stone at least in Game One. Uh, we know as the series goes on, he'll obviously his minutes will get elevated. And then, of course, Jack Eichel. This is his first time in the playoffs. Crazy. Uh, I know. As, as long as this guy's been around, it's uh, it'll be really interesting to see what he brings to the table because uh, I think he's going to come out fired up and just ready to rip it. Yeah, I, I you know when it comes to the the Golden Knights, I think you look up and down their forward. Uh, their forwards are they've got lots of depth. You know, you've got you brought in Barbashev who looks who's looked pretty good with the with the Knights. Uh, I I still think that Phil Kessel has something to prove. I know he didn't have the greatest regular season, but you know maybe this is his chance to like let's just show it all. Let's let's go here in the playoffs, and uh, I think you could see some big games out of Phil Kessel. And defensively, I mean Alec Martinez, Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, the Jets don't have that kind of depth on defense. Uh, Josh Morrissey had a really nice season. Uh, offensively, he's been really good. He makes a great first pass. He gets the puck out of the zone. Uh, beyond that, yeah, you've got some decent, like Brendan Dillon, Neil Pionk, you know, Nate Schmidt, Dylan DeMello. They're they're all fine defensemen. Uh, that's going to be the tough thing to overcome for the Jets is is their defense good enough to sniff the the Golden Knights and and to keep that puck out of the net now. You've got Connor Hellebuck, so that's uh, that'll make up for maybe two of those guys not being as as good. Right. But uh, from a forward standpoint, I think these teams match up really well uh, from from that depth. I mean, the the top six for the Jets, I you know I might like them a little bit better than the Knights actually, and and come here in the playoffs, you know the de- the Jets had such a tumultuous season they get here they're in the playoffs can they take this and turn it into something i mean that might be the this might be the most important other than the leafs winning winning in the first round that's uh, there's i don't think there's any question if there's one team that has to win in the first round it's the leafs hands down because if they don't everyone's going bye-bye uh but i think the next team might be the jets that like if the jets can win here it's going to change the direction of their franchise if they can win a round. If they don't, they just get smoked by the Jets. I think you're going to see a lot of these guys go. I think Dubois might be gone in the offseason. I think you might have Shifley or Wheeler gone. Like I think this could be a huge turning point for this organization, more so than almost any other team. And even the Leafs, yeah, you're going to fire guys, but you're, you're not going to go and get rid of Matthews and Marner and Tavares. Like you're, you're not trying to move those guys. This could be the end of the Jets if they lose. And and it's probably more likely that they lose than they win. Um, even though yeah. I picked them to win in seven. 
Yeah, I mean, look, there's no doubt, right? There's been, uh, you know, no contract talks with Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, and you you know, you brought in Nino Niederreiter to hopefully, you know, soar up that, that middle six so that you can have some competitive third-line play against a team like Vegas, who, in my opinion, you know, is, is got a fantastic top nine if you look at it up and down, right? But um, you're going to need guys who, you know, again, from – from the Jets standpoint, right? I mean, Nicola, you know, Ehlers and, and Blake Wheeler, those guys got to gotta find another another level, I think, because, um, you know, Hollebuck can only take you so far and you need to chip in offensively. And and like you said, when you were talking about defense, right, Josh Morrissey's had a great season. Um, but when I look beyond that, uh, there's not much to, to get excited about. And so, um, you know, I mean, you've got a lot of young guys on the Jets that are they're going to be coming, uh, you know, down the pipeline eventually, but they're not there yet. And so, you know, this might be a situation where, um, you know, it's it's time to win now because a lot of these pieces might uh, might end up going. Like like you said, a Mark Shifley might get dealt in the offseason. Pierre-Luc Dubois might not want to re-sign, yep. uh, so they might deal him. And so, man, if you lose your top two centers, that's going to be, you know, yep. that's going to be detrimental. Right? And city. then not only that, too, but right now on, on daily face-off, um, you know, they've got Nemestikov centering that, that second line with Ehlers and, yep. and, and Wheeler. And so, uh, boy, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is he good enough to, to keep up with this Vegas team, especially if you get in a situation where you've got uh, a Chandler Stevenson, a guy who can be a, almost a point per game player with Mark Stone, who can essentially do everything better than anybody else on your team. Um, you know, maybe outside of Kyle Connor. I don't know about that scoring goals, but, uh, but let's not you know. forget the best player in the series, Connor Hellebuck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he, he will be the best player in this which, series, which I think um, you, you probably, uh, like I've never heard you talk so poorly about him than when you said, and I quote, Connor Hellebuck can only do win so many games in this series. <laughs> is that a I, negative though? Well, I, mean. <laughs> I, I, I've only ever heard you uh, worship at his feet. So I'm just oh. I'm sure no. <laughs> if you, if you listen to the show any amount of time, Justin has been like, we started the show in 2017 and, and I think two years before that he was like, Connor Hellebuck needs to be starting every game for the jets. And I remember in a locker room, you talking about Connor Hellebuck and was like, oh, why is he like this guy so much? <laughs> but you, you turned out to be right. He did win a, a Vesna as well. And he, he could win a Vesna this year. Um, I think he was Elliot Friedman's pick for the Vesna. So yeah, it's, it's, he's got at least one first, cl- first place vote. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he carried his team where I think all Mark, you know, essentially uh, got by. I mean, I mean, he played phenomenal. No, yeah. no disrespect, yeah. but um yeah, so he could be the reason why I think the Jets could potentially upset the Vegas Golden Knights. Or at least push them, right? Like, they, he's the right. reason they're not... Like, nobody's picking the Jets to lose in four because of Hellebuck. Absolutely. Right? Like he's got at least one game to steal in his bag. Um, I say he's got four games to steal because they're going to win the series in seven. All right. Um, I think maybe this one's more my, like... Florida's going to beat Boston like you're you know that's this is this is a much much uh, bigger reach I'd say but <laughs> but I, I do I think that the Jets have something very interesting to to give uh, right here and and the Golden Knights I just don't I just have a thing against the Golden Knights so hey that's fair I mean I just you know what I've I've been dying for them to get back into the finals uh, ever since you know uh, 2017 since, yeah since they last went and um, you know I'm a huge Jack Eichel fan so um, I want to see him have a good playoff year, especially his first go around yeah. at it, because, you know, of course, with that contract and the injury last year, it's just going to be, um, 
you know, a lot of negative attention that maybe he doesn't necessarily deserve. So um, I would like to see them win around here. And, and, and how many games do you think they're going to take? It's going to take? Well, it's going to take six games. Six I games, think, okay. yeah, Hollabuck's going to steal a couple here yeah. for sure. Um, but ultimately, I think Vegas's depth at the forward position, especially in that middle six, is just going to be too much. Um, you know, and that defense is just going to is going to do a tremendous job because, again, if you're not going up against, you know, Petrangelo, you've got to go against Shea Theodore. And either one of those guys are sh- are phenomenal number one defenseman on any other yep. team. And so, um, yeah, I think the Jets are going to have a hard time trying to match up against those defensive pairs. Okay. All right. One final series. We have the winner of the Central Division and the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Colorado Avalanche, taking on the Seattle Kraken. And this is, I believe, the one series where the lower seed has a better record against the top seed during the regular season, the Seattle Kraken, 2-0-1 in, uh, in this one, the Avalanche 1-1-1. So, but Seattle took two of the three games, and they will play each other. Uh, this is Seattle's first playoff series since joining last season as a expansion team. I believe the, the best turnaround in NHL history in terms of points gained on one season over another. And... I think the biggest news of note is that Gabriel Landeskog will not play all playoffs due to his knee injury. Yeah, that's that's too bad. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want the Avalanche, and I, I don't think they would have repeated anyways with him. Do you him, have but... something against the Avalanche from, like, your childhood? Did they cause <laughs> no, no. trauma to you? Not at something? all. <laughs> <laughs> but don't get me wrong. I, I think this is still a very good team. However, I just think um, – you know, again, it would have been better for me to to, to see a Colorado team that is, you know, I, I guess, you know, has all their stars back to see what they could do, um, especially without Kadri this year. But um, ultimately, that's not the case. So they're going to have to go without him and see what they can do. But let's not forget, they do have McKinnon, Rantanen, who is a 55-goal scorer, and Kale McCarr, of course. So, boy, that's going to be that's going to be a lot of power to, to try to slow down. Yes, I, I think this is easily the biggest mismatch here in the first round but the one thing that that gives me pause is the fact that the the seattle kraken have kind of been that team all year long i mean they've been the team where you look at their roster up and down and you go i don't think they'll win this one and they do it by committee they do it by vince dunn maybe being the the most improved player from one season to another this year he's been fantastic looks like a number one defenseman and Jared McCann and his forty goals. I mean, what a what a pickup, what a what a goof up by uh, by Kyle Dubas there. He could have he could have <laughs> had Jared McCann instead of Alex Kerfoot. Not that Kerfoot's a bad player, but yeah, I would take Jared McCann at this point over Kerfoot. I think anyone would. Uh, but it, it's an interesting, uh, yeah, interesting lineup. I mean, they just top to bottom, they are. They just have tons of depth, and that's how they've played, and that's that's the the attempt that they're they're going with right now. Whereas the Avalanche are quite the opposite; they're quite top heavy. Their bottom six is mm, okay, uh, not probably one of the weaker bottom sixes in the league, but their top six is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's it's suspect, right? That bottom six, but um, I will say though, uh, one thing that's been a, a pleasant surprise for me this year is. Uh, the the goaltending of Alexander Gorgiev, I, I mean, look, 62 games played this season. That's phenomenal. I certainly did not expect him to play more than maybe 45 this year, uh, as well as Frank Kuz had played the last few years. But 
man, Gorgia has stepped up to the challenge, especially like when we talked about a suspect, you know, bottom six uh, forward group. And they've got it done by, you know, having a, just a solid structured team getting, you know, the necessary offense from your top six. And, uh, you know, he's given them the occasional spectacular say, but done enough to where he's, you know, uh, quietly, you know, I mean, he's he's in that conversation for the Vesna. Obviously, I don't I don't personally have him in my top five, but, you know, he's up there for a lot of people. And, and rightfully so. He's had a fantastic year. Yeah. And, you know, it's he's played two playoff games. He, he hopped in two games last year, uh, did not start either one of them, but played well. Nine, three, five, save percentage. You know, he, he played fine. Uh, but that's going to be question mark number one is yeah, he's never really played in the playoffs before. How is he going to play? Uh, so, I mean, Colorado certainly has question marks, but by by gaining this matchup, they have way fewer question marks than the Seattle Kraken do. Way a lot more depth, much higher talent levels at almost every position. Uh, actually, I'll say at every position. <laughs> and th- this is just such a mismatch. However, I, I think because of the system, you know, I'm I'm willing to to lean into what I think that the Kraken can do. And I think they'll make it interesting. And I, I don't think this is going to be a sweep. Although I will say this is, if there was one that I had to bet on to be a sweep, it would probably be this series. Uh, especially like Andre Burakovsky's injured for the Kraken. He's not going to play at all this series. The only way he plays again this year is if the Kraken move on to the next round. I vote that as unlikely. Uh, shoot. Can Philip Grubauer come back and haunt his old team? Like all this time, everyone's been like, wow, what a great move by the avalanche to not bring him back. And then if he goes and just like turns a number and goes back to Grubauer of two years ago and is, is great. I mean, he had an eight, nine, five save percentage this year and he's going to be starting game one. So, yeah, I, I mean, I will say if there is an opportunity for you to prove your worth as far as your contract is concerned, this is it for Grubauer, right? Um, your first shot in the playoffs as a as an expansion team with the Kraken, um, man. If you want to make an impact and say, you know what, guys, um, I was worth every penny. Go out and beat your former team, the Avalanche, right? And then, of course, you know, uh, the, the Seattle, I mean, city would just go crazy just for one round. Just to win one round would be just phenomenal for them, just to start their playoff lives. Um, however, I, I'm with you. I just this goaltending has not been good enough for me. I think, no. you know, this this Colorado team has too much firepower. And they've been on fire. Yes. But absolutely. 31-7-4 since January 14th, the third, right. most, third best points percentage. Yeah, and I think there was a, a number I saw where they were, I think, 19 points out of a playoff spot at one point um, and managed to come back and win the division. And that was like that. I think that they were 19 or, points out of the division lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it was. Yes. And, and managed to come back, and that was like the largest deficit ever, you know, um, you know, to come back come from. Come back and, and so, win the division lead, yeah. Yeah, and you got, I mean, you got you to gotta tip your cap to what this, this team has been able to do. And, you know, again, it all falls on this these top lines for this, this Colorado team, right? Because, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, Vince Dunn has been great, and they've, they've got it done by committee with the rest of their defense, but can they shut down McKinnon, Rantanen? Can they shut down Kale McCarr and, and you know, this group here? Uh, for seven games, no. I don't think so. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? Just no. and, Just and that no. is that is exact. Like for the Avalanche, I think it's get out of this series as quickly as possible because their one advantage over either Minnesota or Dallas in round two is going to be 
maybe being able to get out of this first round uh, with quickly. I, you know, I, th- I think there's a reasonable shot they could win in four or five games. I have them winning in six, uh, but there's a reason. You know, I think the quicker they can get this done, the better. More so than almost any other team because of how much Dallas and Minnesota will beat up on each other. And I think the only way Colorado can beat either of those teams is if they beat up on each other in round one. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You want to come out quick and you want to come out healthy because, yeah. again, get your rest. You had a long playoff you know, right. uh, last run year, last yep. year. And so, you know, again, we, we've seen what it, what it did to, to Tampa after a couple of years. And, you know, these guys, uh, you know, obviously don't have the depth at the four group that Tampa did to yep. make it three in a row. So, uh, boy, you better, you better get those workhorses in the top six going quick and get out quick. Uh, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned it, but Josh Manson is back for game one. No, we did not mention that, yeah. but that is he great is, news for them. He is back for for game one, so that's a huge a huge boost for the Avalanche as well. Um, the lower Jack Johnson is in that lineup, the better. <laughs> well, he's not even in. I mean, right now, no, again, no, looking not. at daily faceoff. I mean, they've got their third pairing. This is this is probably, in my opinion, a better pairing than you know anything Seattle's got. But you got Bowen Byram and Eric Johnson. And yeah. don't get me wrong, Eric Johnson's not you know the old Eric Johnson from a few years back, but. You know, he's still a very capable... I don't know. Vince Dunn has been fantastic, and, and Adam yeah, Larson, I'll, too. I, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll take I'll take them over... Uh, I, I'm not taking them over anybody named Kale, though. But, <laughs> uh, Vince Dunn's been great. I think he's uh, probably... The, honestly, I think he's the second-best defenseman in the series, the way he's played this year. Ooh, okay. So I, I, think, I don't hate it, though. Yeah. Um, but goaltending is going to be what probably kills him. So, yep. uh, but that's okay. They're here. They're in the playoffs. It's going to be fun. I hope that they can. I hope they win one game in Seattle. That's my. That's kind of my like my little caveat. Win one game in Seattle, maybe two, and really stretch this thing. Make it fun. Make the Avs sweat a little bit, and Ooh. and then and I think that that's a win for the Kraken. Making the playoffs was a win, but you know I don't know if you remember the. the, the I think the only time that the Atlanta Thrashers made the playoffs. They got swept by the New York Rangers. Uh, and then the first time that the Columbus Blue Jackets made the playoffs, they got swept by the Detroit Red Wings. Yep. Uh, that's what you want to avoid. Just don't get swept. Come in here, win a game or two, and you've had a successful first round. You you made the other team sweat. And uh, and you're going to make them – you know they're going to have to play hard. So uh, we'll see if, uh, you know, we'll see how many games they can actually win. But I'm going yep. sick. I'm going six games for Colorado. Okay, yeah, I've got Colorado, but in five, I think, you know, like I like I mentioned, I think they're going to get out quick. But I do think Seattle, like you said, they win, I think they're going to win a game at home, probably game three, that first one. Um, I think they come in and then they, they put a little bit of pressure. But I, I think they keep all these games pretty close, to be honest. Um, I think they'll be, you know, four, three, three to two games. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, the downfall for Seattle is going to be their goaltending. Justin, if there's one series where I'm I'm really rooting for the for one team in particular... It's this series. It's the Seattle Kraken. I would love to see it. I'd love to see them go and beat the Avalanche. Oh, I would too. Absolutely. <laughs> it would just be fun. No, like I don't even have anything against the Avalanche like you do. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just, you know, it would be fun to see. I mean, it would also be fun to see Florida beat Boston. That would be a really enjoyable. I hope you're right. God, but it's a, it's right. a great story though, right? When you yes. when you look when Vegas came in the league, right? They were just they had this swag about yep. them, right? And yep. so Seattle, they don't necessarily. I don't think they had that kind of that arrogant swag that Vegas had, right? 
um, that they've kind of developed now. But I think Seattle's got that yeah. humble swag yep. that I would love to just see where you're just like, oh, man, it's so great to see them do good. Well, it was like Vegas started off as the like, we're just a ragtag bunch of groupies coming together and playing Cast some shitty right? together. Yes. And then they were like, no, we're going to be demons. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think the Kraken will do that. Ironically, their name bodes more to the demon stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know what? Somebody bought me. <laughs> this is so random. Somebody bought me some soap for my birthday, and uh, it was yeah. called Kraken, and it was the color of the Seattle Kraken. Hmm, I thought okay. that was fun. So maybe it's an omen. I'm going to wash my body with the Kraken <laughs> <laughs> as they rid themselves of the avalanche. I don't know. Uh, well, uh, we and just to, just to rehash, we did have I had the Leafs in six. You have the Leafs in five in that Tampa, series, Tampa Leafs series. So, um, and again, you can go back and you can listen to that one. We we did that one separately because it was the only series we knew about last week at the time of our recording. Um, this has been a beast of an episode, Justin. Great work on this one. An hour and a half to preview seven of the eight series. Uh, we wish the best of luck to all the teams in the in the playoffs and uh, to our listeners. Enjoy that first round. It is the best round. There's nothing like the first round. Four games on every night. It'll be an absolute blast to start it. You can follow us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Justin, any final thoughts before we go watch game one? Uh, go Panthers. All right. Actually, I think, is that game starting? Is that the first game? No, the first game is the uh, the Islanders. So that that that's on actually right now. It's seven o'clock. So we gotta go. So let's go. All right. Well, I'll I'll talk to you later. To our listeners, we'll talk to you guys very soon. And enjoy that first those first few games of the playoffs. See ya.